Welcome to the Lex Buds and Pick and Roll podcast, episode two. And this is a big one, uh, Tyler. This is our second episode, which is pretty big in itself. But uh, we've got a lot going on on this one. Yeah, uh, we we are back uh, for episode two, as you just mentioned. We had an interview with someone this past week, which is why some of you may be tuning in. Brandon worked some magic and pulled some strings and got us an interview with former UK head coach Billy Gillespie. Uh, yeah, it's been a pretty crazy week. So for those of you who don't know you know who we are, Lex Buds and Pick and Roll is the name of the podcast. LexBuds.com is the website. We launched a podcast, a website, we wrote articles, compiled videos, and did interviews all within our first week. That's halfway decent, I feel like. I feel like we're off to a good start. Yeah, I'm exhausted. We have done a <laughs> lot of work on this. I, I didn't realize quite how much work this was going to be, Brandon, uh, when we first started. Uh, you know, it's, you don't just sit down in front of a microphone and start, start talking. There's actually some work that goes into this stuff. There is. Well, I, I now I don't know if I want to do it anymore. <laughs> now I'm nervous about it. Yeah, well, yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah, so, you know, for for the interview, we're interviewing coach, uh, former UK coach, Billy Gillespie, for this episode. And we will get to that interview in just a few minutes. But uh, just to give a little bit of background on how all that came about, when we were starting the podcast, you know, one of the things that we were interested in was getting the other perspective, whether that be the people that we're interviewing or just talking to each other. We do not want to agree on everything. We have no interest in that. That'd be a really boring show. It would be. Nobody wants to sit and listen to people agree with each other. At least I don't, personally. I, uh, you know, That's why I don't watch Fox News or MSNBC for that reason. I agree. <laughs> See what Uh-oh. I did there? Uh, man. Yeah, this, I did that. This is boring. So one of my first thoughts when we're looking at people who could, who could we interview, the first thing, name that came to mind was somebody that had been you know, much maligned in the Kentucky-based media. But, you know, I think there's always another side to the story. And that's what we were in charge of doing. We wanted to figure out, okay, Coach Gillespie's been written about. Fairly or unfairly, that's up to you. We don't really want to dig into that. What we wanted to do was give Coach Gillespie the opportunity to tell his story in his own words from his experience at UK, everything that happened here, and really his memories and what he's doing looking forward. And that was the whole gist of the interview. So if you're looking at this and you're thinking, wow, I wonder what kind of dirt they dug up on Coach Gillespie or did they do this or that? No, we didn't. And we had no interest in doing that. That was not the point of the interview. What we wanted to do was hear him in his own voice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there's there been a lot written and told about Coach Gillespie. M- most of you know all, all the stories we've read and seen about those. Um, but this this was, like Brandon said, an opportunity to see now that we were, we've been a few years removed from the Gillespie era ending at UK, to see, you know, has his perspective changed about his time here? What are his memories of his time in Lexington now? Yeah, and one thing that surprised me, I really didn't know what to think about him, right? I had no clue. When, when he called for the interview... I didn't know what to expect, but I left the interview with a completely different feeling than what than what I thought I was going to have. It was really strange. You know, you don't know. It's been so far removed from UK. What's it going to be like? So there are some juicy headlines, I think would be safe to say, out of the interview. Coach Gillespie talks about, you know, his time and experience at UK from his point of view, 
but also, you know, kind of the future. What does the future hold? Will Billy Gillespie ever entertain the idea of returning to Rupp Arena in any capacity? And if so, what does that look like? What does he think that should look like? I mean, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're exactly right, Brandon. There's there's going to be some news come from this. Uh, so we're very excited for people to hear it and for that information to get out there. I honestly didn't know what to expect when when we started. We've obviously never interviewed a UK head basketball coach before, uh, especially one that is uh, so far removed from the program as Coach Gillespie. Um, but honestly, like I said, there 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 were some very juicy things. I remember a, a few lines that he said. You and I and our producer here just kind of looked at each other and were like, "Holy cow! I can't believe he just said that." <laughs> yeah, and there were there were several of those moments where it's like, "Whoa! I was not I was not expecting him to say that." Uh, and a lot of those were kind of unprompted, like we didn't even ask about particular things, no. and he would just bring them up and talk about them. So uh, he was very candid, very open, and just a great interview. I couldn't have been more impressed. Yeah, and this wasn't an interview that you know was like a, a two or three minute interview, you know, elevator speech kind of thing. This was over half an hour worth of material about Billy Gillespie and his point of view. So this isn't your, you know, we're going to give you a couple of clips here and there. This is a really in depth interview on on his experience here. So I couldn't be more excited. I remember when we were setting all this up. I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I want to interview Coach Gillespie. So me being very naive and not knowing what to do, I um, went to the Tarleton State website, which is where he just became head coach. And for those of you who don't know, they are moving from Division Two to Division One this upcoming year. So, you know, he's got some challenges there just, you know, moving from Division Two to Division One, but also trying to do it during a lockdown. So I don't envy him at all in trying to do that. But when I went online, I just went to the staff directory <laughs> and typed in Billy Gillespie, and lo and behold, there was a phone number there. That is that's that in itself is an incredible story. That you know we we did not have any media contacts at Tarleton State. No. We are not connected to the inside media of college basketball by any means. Absolutely not. This was just sheer effort on Brandon's part to try to track him down to try to get an interview for the show, not having any connections whatsoever. The fact you did this, Brandon, is pretty incredible. Well, let me tell you, the effort took about two clicks, <laughs> and it, it gave a phone number. Now, don't get me wrong, this was not Billy Gillespie's personal cell phone number, so don't go calling the number thinking that you're going to get straight through to Billy Gillespie. There are some people you, you need to talk to. And by the way, everybody there at Tarleton State was unbelievable to work with. They were very gracious, very nice, and... I mean, all great ambassadors for the program. So whoever they have working there is just top-notch. They've been very easy to work with. And we told them what we want to do. We said, you know what, we're not interested in, in, in drudging up the, the negative. We want to hear the positive, uh, or at least the other half of the story, whether it's positive or not. Just want to hear the other half. That's that's as simple as we can boil it down to. And they said, you can have 30 minutes. And after I had a, a mild panic attack when they told me it was going to be 30 minutes, I said, okay, that sounds great. And next thing you know, we're interviewing uh, Billy Gillespie. And like I said, I was very surprised by just him in general and how it turned out and couldn't have been happier with the way the interview turned out as a whole. So let me break this down for a second, too, because I think this is really important. First of all, we bought all this equipment for a podcast, right? Like, So we look professional, but truth be told, we don't really know what we're doing. 
yet. Is that safe to say? True. We we have our producer here who pretty much tells us everything we need to do, what knobs we need to turn and buttons we need to push. Otherwise, we'd probably just be sitting here talking to ourselves. A absolutely. So about an hour before the interview, my producer calls me and says, um, hey man, my car won't start. Okay. No problem. We will take care of that. So I actually had you go go pick him up, and we took care of that. Okay, that's fine. Well, next thing I know, our producer can't find his glasses. Well, if our producer can't see the sound levels, we are really trading on thin ice would be... Or not trading on thin You're skating on thin ice, I guess. <laughs> Treading, skating. Treading. I don't know what you do. We don't tread on or skate on thin ice, really, in Kentucky. But long story short, it was just added to it. And there were already a lot of nerves about the interview, right? This is our first big interview. We're interviewing a former head coach. We're huge UK basketball fans. It's a dream come true. Uh, about 15 minutes before the interview is set to start, my landscaper and their whole team shows up in a gigantic <laughs> truck full of mulch to mulch our landscape, which I greatly appreciate. I grant you. And I knew they were going to come this week, but I didn't know it was going to be 15 minutes before the biggest interview that we've ever had. <laughs> what, what are the odds, man? Seriously. <laughs> what are the odds? Really freaky. I mean, you got guys with shovels, you got blowers and equipment, and after my mild panic attack, we managed to get them to hold off for about an hour so we could do the interview. But it was like everything that could go wrong within the span of an hour before the interview the world was conspiring against us to make this interview not happen. And you also forgot to mention that the battery was almost dead in our, I don't even know what you call that thing up there that gets all of our sound in it, but we almost started the interview with, an, with a dead battery. And That's we right. Lost it That's right. Through. I forgot about the dead battery. So we put, these were actually new batteries. We put new batteries in the recorder and, it, and the recorder would not come on. It was like, no. Nope. Now, we're not doing this interview right now. I'm, I'm just not going to turn on. I know these are new batteries and that you want me to work, but it wasn't going to happen. All this stuff right before the interview, and we're right kind of freaking out. Couldn't have been better timing. No, it was. It seemed to be a complete disaster on all fronts, and you know all the excitement that we had for this interview just kind of slowly began slipping away into full-blown panic. We're thinking, you know... First of all, we're not even positive he's, that this is going to happen. You know, we, we know guys like Coach Gillespie, their schedules can change in the instant. So we're just kind of sitting here waiting, like, is, is he even going to call? Is he going to call and say, hey, i got to reschedule, or I'm not going to be able to do this? So just all these different feelings and worries on top of all the uh, technology issues we were having, the landscaping issues we were having. Who had, first of all, what podcast has landscaping issues? Let's let's address this right off the bat. So let me be honest with you guys. We're recording this in my basement in a studio. There are barking dogs next door occasionally. I have neighbors with dogs. I have landscapers that come through. People cut their grass every now and then. You know, these are the kind of things that are come up on this podcast, and I hope the audience will just learn to accept them because I can't change them, really. This is what we're doing. Yeah, and Brandon also has two young boys that sometimes it sounds like it is WWE SmackDown upstairs while we're recording the show, so that's always a worry, too. Uh, it's not a worry for me because my wife's dealing with it, so that's her problem, but yes, it does sound like WWE SmackDown Raw, Live, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's pretty crazy, but it was very nerve-wracking. And I really wanted to get the sound of the ringer whenever Billy Gillespie was calling. 
I was like, man, that would be really cool way to intro the video to actually have the ringer and all this stuff just started happening at once it was it really put us in a pinch to say the least yeah when you called i was driving on my way home when you called to tell me that we were going to interview billy gillespie i almost had a wreck (laughs) i mean i just could never have imagined that after having only done one podcast that our next podcast would be an interview with a former uk men's basketball coach just just unreal feeling. Growing up in the mountains, you know, idolizing Kentucky basketball and the head coaches. This is, I mean, this is, it was a, a dream come true, honestly, to, to be able to have this opportunity. So, very, very exciting. Yeah, and just, again, since we may have some new listeners on this episode, you mentioned coming from the mountains. Tyler and I are both from Whitesburg, Kentucky. Back Way back in there, I always tell people if they've heard any stereotypes about Kentucky or they've heard a good Kentucky joke, and we're probably not too far removed from that area. That's right. But that's okay. We understand that and we get it. But it's also a great place to be, you know, be born and raised. And we absolutely love it back there. But it's in the southeastern part of the state. We've known each other pretty much our whole lives. And the whole point of this show was to hang out, talk about UK sports, Kentucky news, national news, give our opinions whether we agree or not. And a lot of times we don't agree. But that's okay. And that's... It really fits well with the interview that we were doing, right? Um, so Coach Gillespie gets a lot of negative for his time at UK, but we want to give the other half. You and I don't agree all the time, but it's always good to hear the other half of the story and see what other people have to say in a respectful way, so regardless of what your opinion is. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is our primary goal on this show is to point out opposing points of view. If you go to our website, LexBuds.com, right now, you're going to see some very differing opinions on the recent protests in Frankfurt. There's an article on the rise of Andy Bashir's popularity entitled Andy Mania, written by me. Now, wait, just a second. So, Andy Mania. That, that is a very good article, by the way. If, if nothing else, even if you don't finish this podcast, go to LexBuds.com and listen to, or, or, or read Tyler's article, Andy Mania. It. I could not disagree with you more on that article, Tyler. <laughs> I think you're absolutely nuts. But you know what? I respect your opinion and respect your right to be completely nuts, and that's okay. But you're right. It's a fantastic article. We've gotten a lot of really great reviews on it uh, since we put it out. And then I went to Frankfurt to look at the kind of counter-protest, the other half of it, um, to Andy Bashir on closing down business from local business owners. So... We show both sides. We're not leaning one way or another, and I think that's the whole point of the, the show and the website, really. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're going to bring you neutral points of view. You're listening. Both of us are registered independents, so you're, you're not going to see any too far right or too far left views from either one of us on any topic. That's true. That is very true. Well, without further ado, before we go to the, to the uh, interview... Make sure you go to LexBuds.com, check out the great content, check out uh, the video of the protest, the Andy Mania article, if nothing else for the for Andy Bashir and Hulk Hogan Photoshop job that I did for the article. That's, that's something you at least want to click on and check that out. That is worth a click. It was phenomenal work. That, that may be, you, you set the bar very high on that one for all future Photoshops because that one is going to be very hard to beat. That really Kudos means, to you. That really means a lot. And make sure you subscribe. And uh, give us a five-star review on the podcast. It really helps us grow. Even if you don't listen to another podcast besides this one, just go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Store, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
and give us a good review. It would help us out a lot. We're just two dudes that want to talk about what's going on in Kentucky sports and everything else in between. And without further ado, Tyler, let's go to the Coach Billy Gillespie interview. This is over half an hour with Coach G. Let's hit it. Got it? Yep. Bro. Hello, this is Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Billy Gillespie, how you doing? Hey, Coach Gillespie. I'm doing really well. How are you? Good. Good. Well, thanks so much for uh, for coming on with us. We really appreciate you agreeing to do this. Welcome to the Lex Buds and Pick and Roll podcast. This is a special edition. Uh, we are interviewing former UK coach, SEC coach of the year, two-time Big 12 coach of the year, and a number of other accolades that would probably take too long to list, but Coach Billy Gillespie. Coach Gillespie, thanks for being on with us today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so we're sitting here in Kentucky. I think we're all uh, trying to figure out ways to kill the time. I don't know what you're doing, but we can get into that a little bit later. But we really wanted to talk about your experience at UK and your and your overall coaching career. So the first question that came to mind when we saw the press conference of you being hired, you know, most people in Kentucky had never heard of Tarleton State until you were hired. Can you tell us a little bit about the school, uh, the basketball history, and what made you interested in coaching there? Yeah, first of all, thanks for thanks for saying, hey, we have nothing else to do, so we wanted to call myself you. So I, I caught that. I don't know if anyone else did. I'll, I'll, I'll let you take that as you will, Coach. Yeah, there you go. I, hey, I, I understand. I've been in that position for many, many years. Yeah. No, uh, I'm so happy to be at Tarleton State. It's a great place that not a lot of people do have a lot of recognition for, but they will very, very shortly. I think in the last two weeks, uh, there's been quite a bit of stuff that has probably brought a lot of good, really good attention to uh, Tarleton State. And, you know, we've got, we've got a guy from uh, Kentucky who is our president, Dr. James Hurley. From Perry and County, I believe, right? Perry, I'm sorry? From Perry County, I believe. He's from Hazard. Yeah. yeah, he's from Hazard. And so he's a big basketball fan. He played basketball at Arkansas State. And, and uh, he, he just took over here in November, and he's doing great things. And I guess right as soon as he got here, they announced they were going into the WAC. Uh, playing the WAC, and that uh, will be Division One next year, and and so there's an unbelievable amount of excitement. I I grew up here, about 60 miles from here, and when I was coming up, there's two or three thousand students probably. I I could be wrong with that. Maybe there's a little more, but this place has 13,200 students now, and it's one. It's in the heart of Texas. It's close to everything. It's a beautiful campus. It's a totally progressive place. Dr. Hurley's going to make this one of the most recognizable places. Uh, places in the country there's no question about it it's only a matter of time we got a new campus in Fort Worth Texas which is an hour from here we're hour and 15 20 minutes from Dallas and this place is just blowing up and it's the right time for for me to get back into division one the right time at the right place with the right people so uh, everybody's going to be hearing about Tarleton it'll be on the court as well as you know uh, you know it's with what Dr. Ken, uh, with what uh, Dr. Hurley's going to do uh, with the university. It's a part of the Texas A&M system. Uh, so great financial backing, just great resources, great students. It's going to be a fantastic deal for everyone involved. Yeah. Hey, Coach Gillespie, you should cut a commercial for Tarleton State because I'm almost ready to enroll right now. That sounded amazing. And you can hear the excitement in your voice. And it, it sounds like an, an amazing opportunity there. So how have you well, been? I, did. I, I appreciate you wanting to come to Tarleton. I did a little background check before 
we started this interview and you're going to have to get your academics up a little bit to be a good Tarleton student. <laughs> a good Tarleton State student. Well, yeah, so, well, you know, I'll try to. We don't, we don't just take anybody. You know, we, we, you got to have a certain standard. Okay. I'm giving you a hard time. But, well, but, uh, then I'm probably out. But, you know, I would love to come to a game regardless. <laughs> regardless, I'm probably out on that. Um, uh, come on in. So, you know, how have you been dealing with this? You know, speaking of classes, all classes at UK have been, uh, you know, canceled on campus. And, you know, I'm assuming it's the it's it's that way everywhere right now. How is dealing with the current coronavirus? Um, is it, it what are the difficulties there in dealing with that, especially as taking this new role and then also trying to make the jump from D to, for, to D1? How has that impacted you? I mean, it sounds like you're, it's a big puzzle to try to put together. It's tough. It's really tough. It's tough on on teams that that have been, you know, Division One for 150 years. It's very very tough for them because it's something that no one has ever done before. No nobody's ever gone through it. Either coaches, administrators, and definitely the players. And so it's tough. But hey, that that's what makes you better. You have to have the ability to adapt and change. And and that's what everybody in this country is doing right now. And we'll come out on top. You know, it's a what we're doing is is a job and. The players get to play and get an opportunity for a degree, but it's such a bigger deal than that right now. We're talking about life and death and, some, again, something we've never seen. So we have to put it in a proper perspective. You have to get up every day with the right kind of attitude and whatever challenges you face, just knock them out. And, and uh, that's what we're doing. It's, it's, it's very difficult to start, uh, you know, start a new job because normally when you do, you have so many people that are at the school that you could call and get answers on things. Uh, those people aren't there anymore. You could say, okay, where would you need to send this transcript? Okay, call this lady or call this man, and, and you know, you're going to send it to them, but they're not there. And so uh, we're getting it done, but it's it's not easy. But it's not easy for anyone. It's not easy for you guys. I'm sure you have some adjustments that you've had, that you've had to make. Like you're saying, a lot of people are available to listen more so than ever probably uh, because there's not as many things going on in their life. So uh, it's different, but it's okay. We'll, we'll we'll knock it out of the park. That sounds great, Coach. Now we both actually we did watch the introductory press conference uh, there at Tarleton when you were introduced, and noticed you got uh, a little emotional a couple times. Uh, we could really tell that this job, this opportunity, really means a lot to you. You you actually mentioned in the press conference you feel like you're getting a second chance on life. Can, can you just kind of tell us about that, what what this job means to you and, and what you mean when you, when you said you felt like you are getting a second chance? Uh, I mean, I, I got, I'm getting a second chance in a lot of ways. I got a uh, April 24th, uh, 2018, I got a real second chance at life when I got a kidney transplant from Miss Erica Downey, who was at the press conference and has become just as close a family member as you could get. And so she was at the press conference, one of the few people that were invited because of again because of the pandemic we're going through but uh, it's an emotional deal when when uh, you have a, a life-altering situation like that which is really 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 important basketball is really important to me as well uh and and i really do believe that that under dr hurley's uh, guidance and the way tarleton state is uh just exploding and, and a fresh and fun place to be right now and you know we're talking about a place that's been winning we've had Coach Reisman and his son Chris have, in the last 32 years, they've won 693 games. And, and uh, I think Kentucky's won about 840 or somewhere in that area. I'm not exactly uh, exactly what uh, right about the number that they've done. But this place has had great, great, great success. And, you know, they've been 
kicking butt pretty good in Division Two in every single sport they've been playing in. And so it's not many times when you go into a new coaching situation to where they, you know, they've been doing so well. The community loves them. That the community supports. Uh, again, the, the support of the Texas A&M system. And uh, it is an emotional time for me. I always get emotional any place I go, but it's an emotional time for me just to have the opportunity to be back in Division One. I. I appreciate the people that have given me this opportunity. We'll definitely make the most of it. Uh, that sounds great. Yeah, we could tell you were very excited about the opportunity. You also just mentioned uh, another person we wanted to talk about, which is Erica Downey, your kidney donor. We've, we've all followed here in Kentucky the, the health issues and We've all read the stories about her and just what a wonderful person she is. Could you tell us just a little bit what she, what she has meant to you and the friendship you've developed with Erica? Well, she can't be too smart to be giving a part of her body away to somebody uh, she she doesn't even <laughs> didn't even know unless uh, you know. And so there's no real uh, understanding of why someone do that other than by just it was just by the grace of God. And so she was directed to do it. There's no question about it and i think she's prospered physically uh, as much as you can after you've given a part of your body away her husband is a basketball coach mark downey actually he played in the movie glory road i know that's not the favorite movie for people in kentucky but i think he played tommy cron in the movie actually and and uh but he's been a basketball coach i've known him for a long time but when i knew him when he was at independence uh, community college and i was at tulsa they weren't married at the time but you know, the media played a role in me getting a kidney transplant. And uh, Brad Townsend of Dallas Morning News did a really not a nice article about me needing a, a kidney, and she read it. And uh, she said, I don't know, it was just a, a calling that she had to help me. And uh, since that time, I didn't know her. If she would have known me, she probably wouldn't have gave me the kidney. Give me the kidney. <laughs> we talk about that all the time. But no, actually, I had a lot of a lot of great friends that, that offered to do that. But, but, uh, she got tested and it was just a perfect match. And she felt the need to do so, and I'm grateful for her and Mark and, and Bryce and Drew, their two sons, uh, every single day because not only did Erica make, she made the biggest, I mean, biggest sacrifice anyone could ever make, but, but Mark and Bryce and Drew, their, their two children, have made a tremendous sacrifice as well. So the, the best thing about Erica, and, and you know, in the press conference and in other times, uh, she was just. They had a really nice article about her in Oklahoma on Sunday and, and uh, just about how her being a donor had affected her life in a very positive way. I think that she's probably inspired a lot of people to become donors. And, and uh, you know, you don't think about it unless you've been through something like I have. But uh, I would encourage anybody uh, that, that if they're physically able when our world gets back to right to consider uh, helping someone else have a great life. And, and uh, because you can make it with one kidney, you can, that's all you need. That's all I've got. That's all she's got. But I would encourage people that ever even think she was, she was out four or five days and, and uh, now she's a dynamo. She probably got back quicker than <laughs> most people, but, but uh, she was determined to get back quickly. But she's made a difference in a lot of people's lives, not only mine. Yeah, it truly is an inspiring story uh, to, to hear about that. And we're all, very happy everything went uh, went well in, in the process and that uh, you're, you're doing well and are healthy now. Yeah, absolutely. And just switching back, uh, pivoting a little bit more to basketball, you know, you've earned praise throughout your career as being a, an excellent recruiter really everywhere you've been, uh, including at the University of Kentucky. What do you think makes you a good recruiter? 
And if I had two sons, well, I have two sons. If they chose to play basketball, do you have just a general pitch that you put out about playing for Coach Gillespie, or do you really you know, make it individual to each player? What makes you so good on the road when you're recruiting? Well, I, I think, thank you for saying that we've had some success. Uh, I've been fortunate in my career to be around really good young men, and, and that's what's really important to me as far as the relationships and building those relationships. And, you know, uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, we, we've been able to use basketball to help young men turn into grown men, and I think that's what we've been really good at it. Uh, uh, but you talk about having a pitch or a script or whatever. I think if you had to say anything about me, that the reason we've had success is because it is not a pitch. It is not a script. It's 100% passion from the heart. And and so uh, I'm a very, very straightforward person in everything I do, including recruiting. We're very, very honest. And, and uh, so we, we try to be passionate and shoot from the, from not from the hip, but from the heart. And I think that, I think that's what people really want to hear. Uh, you know, it's, so I, I think that's the reason that not only we had, a great deal of success in recruiting, but developing and maintaining those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And it's obvious I can hear the passion in your voice and coaching is what you, you love doing the most. So how difficult was it, you know, when you left Texas Tech to not be involved in coaching for a brief period? I mean, for someone that really enjoys, you know, the game as much as you, what was that like? Yeah, it was tough, you know, because I thought I was going to, you know, you hear about retirement and all that kind of stuff. And, and I was fortunate that, that financially we were in pretty good shape or I was in pretty good shape because I don't have a Wii. Uh, but, but, uh, so you start, start playing golf every day, but all your friends are working. And so nobody can play with you. And it's not fun <laughs> playing golf. You know, it's not fun playing golf by yourself because you always want to have a challenge and, and get a little game up and have a little bet on the first tee, a, a very small bet, but you want to have something to, to, uh, to, replace the competition or whatever but you know that was fun while it lasted but it didn't last very long and then I had an opportunity to, to come back out here to Ranger College and uh, you say wow from Kentucky to Ranger what a what a deal but basketball is basketball I had an opportunity for five years to really make a difference in a lot of young people's lives and again that's what's really important that's what should be the most important to all of us as coaches our teachers and so that's it, been a real fun thing to do we had great success I, I inherited a team that had won two games and the next year we immediately we immediately won our first 32 in a row and got beat in the national semifinals and overtime by the host team and they had made the national tournament 49 years and uh, I, I coached there five years uh, but two of those years I couldn't coach in the second half of the season because of the kidney situation so in the three years that, that we were there we had we made the national tournament all three years. The last year we got beat in the national championship game. And this year I think we had a great chance to win it. We were number one all year long for about eight weeks. And, of course, it didn't get to play. But I had a ball. You know, we had so many great kids that have gone on Division One, having great success, getting degrees and all those kind of things. So, you know, any, anything you do in life, it's all about how you approach it. It's, life's about 10% what happens to you and 90% how you handle it. And I think we've handled it really well. It's been a blessing for me to be a Ranger, and I'm really excited that, that it catapults me to get back to Tarleton. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the nice things about playing golf by yourself is you do always win. So there is a benefit <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, your scores are a little bit better when you play by yourself, or mine are. <laughs> Coach, 
you know, you miss a putt and you say, well, I didn't really mean to do that. I'll do it again and maybe count that one, not the first one. Yeah, nobody ever knows, so it's, it's a good thing. Now, you mentioned uh, coaching at Kentucky. You know, just the, the general question, we're both uh, University of Kentucky uh, fans. What's it like to be the coach at Kentucky at, at a traditional blue blood school? I mean, we look at, at Coach Calipari now. He always jokes that, you know, he's aged in dog years, basically. He's aged 25 years. He's been here for 10. I mean, what are the stresses like there? Do you feel more pressure? And just what's the overall feel of being a University of Kentucky head basketball coach? There's no, there's nowhere better in the world to coach than Kentucky when you have the players. And, and uh, when you don't have the players, there's probably nowhere in the world that's, that's tougher. And, and uh, so but there's so much, there's so much passion. There's so much scrutiny. I loved all that stuff because that's the way I am. I'm, I can, I can fit right in in Kentucky. And, and as far as uh, trying to want to know all about every single recruit, want to know every single play, offensively and defensively want to know every single thing going with the program that's what i would be if i lived in kentucky and had just a normal job or had a podcast that's what i'd be doing every day but yeah. but uh you know it, it's it's tough but it's great and and uh is there extra pressure i don't think any extra pressure could be added to someone that puts that the amount of pressure that i do on myself to me i mean there was a lot more people involved at kentucky but at Ranger College, as far as the performance of my team and trying to recruit and all those kind of things, it was no different. And it'll be no different here at Tarleton. We're trying to win the national championship. And I know people say, well, heck, you're just making the conversion from Division Two to Division One. We're trying to win the national championship at, at Tarleton State University, just like Kentucky's trying to do it and, and everyone else. And, and I really believe that in time we're going to be a factor in this whole basketball landscape and I think it'll probably happen a little bit faster than people might think so uh, we'll we'll put a lot of pressure on ourselves uh, but we're going to have a lot of fun you know along the way so basketball is a fun game people love playing the game and, and uh, you know you just want to surround yourself with the right people the right coaching staff we've got great administration I've, I've already mentioned several times here not too many people uh, have an athletic director that's a basketball coach those guys there's not many coaches in the AD roles anymore anyway. They're usually more business guys. So our athletic director is going to have been down all the roads I've ever gonna, I'm ever going to try to travel. So there's so many great things here at Tarleton. Uh, we'll put pressure on ourselves, but we're going to have fun too. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I, I remember your first season at UK. Um, you, you, we had a, a little bit of a rough start with, with the Gardner-Webb game, but beyond that, you turned the entire team around and made the NCAA tournament and uh, shared the Coach of the Year award in the SEC with, with Coach Bruce Pro. It was really an amazing season to watch all together. And if you look at current interviews now with uh, you know players, Ramel Bradley, Joe Crawford, they rave about their time on that team uh, and how much you meant to their success, not just on the court, but off the court as well as, as growing into young men. Can you tell us about that first team that you had uh, at Kentucky, and do you still talk to Joe or Ramel at all? I try to as much as possible. Uh, they they're moving around trying to play and all those kind of things. But you know those relationships are very important. A lot of other guys along the way, uh, other than Joe and Ramel, but those two guys were seniors. And if you remember correctly, Joe's a, a McDonald's All American and tried to leave Kentucky mm -hmm. after one semester, and, and the, that didn't happen or whatever. But he, uh, those two guys, what I remember about them. They sacrificed for that team like crazy. 
And at one point after we were playing about seven conference games, Ramel was averaging over 40 minutes a game, maybe 41.5, because we had had a couple of overtime games. And, and, and uh, Joe played all year with plantar fasciitis, which is one of the most painful things that you can do. And he fought it. And, and uh, those two, both those guys graduated, and they fought it, and they played. They fought it because they were sacrificing for their team. And, and uh, so they probably came there with more accolades than they left with. But to me, those are real Kentucky Wildcats. And, and uh, they deserve any kind of honors or recognition that they could ever get, along with some other guys on that team. They, they really played for each other. And that, I think that's what made the people proud. They definitely weren't very happy when we lost some games early. I think we were six and seven going into to the conference season. But a remarkable turnaround starting out right with the first game against a very good Vanderbilt team and then beat Tennessee, I think, after losing to Florida at Florida. But, but they fought and they put ourselves, we put ourselves in a position to, we had had so many injuries. I think Jody only played, Jody Meeks only played maybe 12 games that mm-hmm. year, six conference because he was hurt all year. And, and uh, Patrick Patterson, we were about to win the league and Patrick gets hurt with three games to go and our guys just kept on fighting. And, and uh, so it was really a remarkable year. It wasn't definitely by the standards that they have at Kentucky or my standards that I have set for ourselves, uh, the number of wins or whatever. But when you look back at what those guys were able to achieve and be able to overcome all the adversity they had with the injuries, unbelievable season. It was a lot of fun. And, and all the credit goes to those guys for just being tough. Yeah, we really enjoyed seeing the growth of, especially Ramel and Joe that season. You know, we'd been watching them for four years, and it just seemed like you you really brought out the best in those guys, and they played their best basketball that season. You also mentioned uh, we would be remiss if we went through this interview without mentioning Jody Meeks and the 54-point game he had against Tennessee, the pro- probably the most memorable game uh, when you were coach here. I know that, you know, it's it's – Something that anytime it's replayed on TV, I stop and watch it. I still have it recorded on my DVR, and we'll just randomly watch it uh, on on a rainy day. Can you tell us what that game was like? What is it like when you've got a player just in such a zone like Jody was that Tennessee game? The thing, the thing about it is an unbelievable game. I, that year, though, he had already scored. He got forty five at Arkansas, or maybe that was after. I can't remember if it was before or after. He got forty six in Louisville against Appalachian State. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so our president, James Harley, was at Pikeville, and the first exhibition we ever played with me as the coach at Kentucky, we played Pikeville, and, and uh, he reminds me of that all the time. We, we were able to get them pretty good, as we should. But Jody had like 30 points or 22 points in the first half against a 1-3-1 zone for Pikeville, but unfortunately he wasn't able to play much that year. His second year after having uh, hernia surgery uh, in the summer, he came back full steam had a great year, was able to get drafted. Uh, but the thing about it is that, that goes unnoticed. Like, you, I, you see all these NBA players that might score 50, and what a feat it is for anyone to do it. But it takes them 40 or 45 shots or whatever to do it. Jody Meek scored 54 points on 22 shots. Now, do, do the math. And, and uh, you know, he, he was 10 for 15 from three. Uh, he was five for seven from two. And he was 14 for 14 from the line. And, and most important stat in that whole game was Kentucky beat, beat Tennessee, and and uh, you know I, I got asked about I got asked about Jody at halftime of a game and I didn't answer it very very nicely, uh, but I'm all about the team and Jody was all about the team, 
And and uh, when you're going through something like that, you're not playing the game to say, okay, well, Jody's got 40. We've got to get him 50. You're trying to win the game, and that's what all the guys did. And Jody was right at the front of the list. It didn't take him 40 shots to get 54 shots. When you go back and look at all these major games that people have, start looking at how many shots it takes for them to get 50 points. And that just makes it more, I mean, more amazing of what he did that night at, in uh, Knoxville. Yeah, absolutely. And just on the flip side of it, i got to ask you this. If you're the coach for the opposing team and you're trying to defend a player that's just going off, you know, if you go back and watch the clips of that game on YouTube, they, they threw every player in the world at Jody that game. What what do you do in that situation when you've got a player that seemingly can't miss? Is <laughs> is there anything you can do, or you just put your hands up and you say, you know what, let's survive and let everyone else try to be? What what do you do? What's your mindset to stop that? I'm, I'm, this sounds this sounds uh, like I'm bragging, but I'm not really the guy to ask that because we we in my whole career the only guy that we couldn't deal with was Kevin Durant, and and uh, <laughs> so most of, most of all the other guys. Uh, that we played against, we figured out some way to stop them. You know, it, uh, it's ironic when we were playing Tennessee, Coach Pearl after the game had had uh, said that uh, Steve Forbes, who had worked for me uh, and is a great coach at East Tennessee State right now, he he he, uh, he he was jokingly, but he always, and they are in Tennessee, so they're trying to play off the football situation, how big it is and all, and he had named Steve Forbes defensive coordinator. And so I'll never uh, – I remember a lot of things about that night, but one of the things that I will never forget that I've joked about with Steve, uh, when we walked in the handshake line, his face was as red as a beet. And his head, he's, he's bald-headed, so his head was as red as his face was. And he said he couldn't believe it. He's, I'm the defensive coordinator. You guy got 54 points. And so he <laughs> said, I know I didn't make you very proud tonight. <laughs> because I always try to be good defensively. But – no, I mean, uh, with Kevin Durant, we tried to guard him with a 6'11 guy. He, he's too good for him. Tried to guard him with a 6'3 guy. He's too good for him. And, and you know, we, we knew he was pretty good at that time, and he's proven how good he is. Nobody can stop him. But, uh, Absolutely. It, it, it's fun to be a part of it when you got a guy, uh, when you got a guy uh, playing like Jody did that night. And he had many other games as well, mm-hmm. but the one that stood out the most. Yeah. Now – this is kind of an interesting topic, and we were talking about this earlier. So Rick Pitino was hired at Iona recently, and he has publicly came out and said that he would like to schedule a game against Kentucky in the future. Uh, would you ever consider coming back to Rupp Arena uh, with Tarleton State to play if it could be worked out on the schedule with both sides? Sure we would. We'd love to. We could actually get all three of us together and, and – uh, and Tubby and, and just have a round-robin tournament or something and just play for three or four days. And, and uh, you know, play, uh, I don't. I think it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> but, no, we'd love to come back. I, I had great memories from there. I got a lot of friends in Lexington and, and the state of Kentucky. They've been great to me since I left, and, and uh, even though I wasn't their favorite guy as the coach. But I but, uh, had great memories, great people are involved, and that's what we're going to do at Tarleton. We're trying to play as many great teams as we can. And uh, we're going to be in the WAC again, which is a very good league, a great – I mean, it's a historic basketball league that's had great success in the NCAA tournament. They've had great coaches, Hall of Fame coaches, but the WAC's good. And uh, for us to get to where we want to go, we have to play the absolute best. And, and uh, Kentucky's been at the top of the heat for a long, long time. you got to give 
Coach Calipari as much credit as anyone could give. Uh, he's a perfect fit for that job, and, and uh, he has done a great, 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 great job. We'd love to come up there and play sometime. Coach, I can tell you, a round robin with those four schools would be the hottest ticket in Lexington. <laughs> no, doubt. no doubt. No doubt. That would be hey, fantastic. Hey, Everybody would have to have to get them some cough medicine because they'd boo, they'd be booing three of the coaches. They wouldn't be able to stand it. They'd have to make sure that they had some people to take care of their throats. Uh, just that'd be fun too. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, we would love that. Uh, just one more question for you, Coach. Then we'll yeah. let you go. Um, All right. We we are literally building this podcast from the ground up, and uh, Brandon and I have you know not much experience in this. We're just two. Uh, workaholics who who love basketball and and love the grind of trying trying to build something up kind of like you have in, in many of the uh, your previous coaching positions and i hope that there will be a lot of kentuckians who will listen to this interview here in kentucky is there anything you'd like to say to the big blue nation uh anybody who might be listening to this well first of all thanks for having me on you guys are doing a good job and i, I didn't know that that you know it's a you're just getting started, but good luck with that. And usually grinding it out and being good to people usually works in any profession. And that's the way we're going to try to do it here. Uh, I, I love my time in Kentucky. Lexington's one of the favorite places. I, I love horse racing. I love the people of Kentucky there. I mean, I have so, I've got so many friends from, from there and, and uh, people think, well, that was a bad time of your life. It was a great time of my life. I've, I've been so lucky and every, at every stop I've been, uh, been to one of the first memories I had at Kentucky is when we were able to, to come there when I was at Texas A&M and, and uh, we were able to beat uh, Coach Patino in Louisville to get to the Sweet 16. And that was our very first couple of memories after we beat Penn. That was our very first couple of memories at Rupp Arena. What a great place and iconic, legendary, all those words you can say. But uh, I had a fantastic time there. And every time I go back, whether it's for the Derby or anything else, everybody treats me with so much respect and i mean it's it's just a great place and, and uh I, I miss that place i'm really happy here in stevenville this is going to be the best place i have ever been i guarantee it and we're going to do great things here at tarleton state but uh it's a lot of fun to be in kentucky coaching basketball so when we come down to a tarleton state game uh this upcoming year uh, do you want us to bring you like a hot brown or some fresh kfc or or something for- from anywhere up here? I mean, what can we do to, to bring a little bit of Lexington to you? Because we really do want to come down uh, for a game this year. Well, you're invited for any of them, and, and uh, hopefully you guys will follow through and do that and, and see what Tarleton State's all about and be able to talk about it even more so uh, because I do think there's going to be a lot of great attention over the, the next few years about Tarleton State as it continues to grow. Uh, it's hard to beat Kentucky Fried Chicken in Lexington, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, the you can also bring me a, a another rendition of my old Kentucky home. Uh, I, I'm not from Kentucky, but boy, what a great what a great song that is! And everybody tears up at the Derby, and when they played it at our games, there was nothing better. So, uh, yeah, come on down here and make yourself at home in Seaville, Texas, and, and uh, start understanding how good Tarleton State basketball is going to be. Absolutely. Well, you would tear up for sure if you heard uh, Tyler and I try to sing my old Kentucky home, but it would just be uh, tears of pain. It would be terrible. And please tell President Hurley as well this afternoon, if you talk to him, that you just finished an interview with two guys from Letcher County in Whitesburg. Uh, You know, Hazard was kind of, Whitesburg's kind of a suburb of Hazard. We're a few hollers over. 
All right, we'll tell him. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Coach, uh, Coach Gillespie. We really appreciate your time today. Good luck with your show, guys. All right, thank you. Thank you, Coach. Yeah. The interview from Lex Buds and Pick and Roll with Billy Gillespie. Just unbelievable. I still can't believe it happened. Uh, like we said, growing up, never thought we would have this opportunity. And it, uh, a couple things, Brandon, just on a personal level. The people who get to do this for a living, that get to interview Coach Cal, that get to interview all the players, I, I hope they realize what a great job that is. Because, you know, we're just doing this because we're having fun. We're not making any profits off of this yet. Although, maybe we'll... Maybe we'll get some advertisers after this. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, but how how cool is it? And, you know, I, I hope people in those jobs realize how fortunate they are and how cool it is because I, I don't think I could ever get tired of doing stuff like that. Uh, no. no. I mean, how could you? I mean, give me a break. I grew up a Kentucky fan, die hard. Every game, I lived and breathed it. If we lost a game, I was depressed for three days until the next game. I mean, let me, let me just be honest. The sun did not come up for three days until UK played again, and we won. And boy, if we didn't win the next game, then you, you just didn't want to be around me for about a week. <laughs> it was ugly. So to have the opportunity to talk to somebody involved with the program is huge. And like you said, it's a childhood dream to talk to a, a former UK coach. Whether you like Coach Gillespie or you don't, still the opportunity to talk to a former UK coach is amazing. And personally, after the interview was over with, I... Came away saying, "Wow, I really like Coach Gillespie. I mean, he was such a so gracious, so positive, and funny, funny, charming. funny, charming, all, all those things." And I don't know if that's how he was while he was here. I wasn't interviewing him at that time. I just knew him as the coach. But I can tell you, I walked away just super impressed with him all around. We would be remiss to say, we, you know, we are very thankful for Coach Gillespie for taking the time for that interview. I mean, over 30 minutes on an interview, unbelievable. We we couldn't thank him enough. And also Ryan Cox for setting this up in the athletics department. First class gentleman to work with. Coach Gillespie has been terrific in giving us the time. And I'm just really thrilled that he gave us the opportunity to do this and couldn't have been a better interview in my opinion. Yeah, so Ryan, Coach Gillespie, if you're listening to this, we truly appreciate from the bottom of our hearts you taking the time to do the interview with us. Uh, even though Coach Gillespie said at the end he didn't realize we were just getting started on this show, so maybe he he wouldn't have done it if we knew we were uh, <laughs> only on our second show. But uh, anyway, we we must have sounded professional because he said he didn't realize we were just getting started. Well, so. yeah, I get maybe I don't know, but I can tell you this: we are definitely going to make good on our on our statement to come to a Tarleton State game. And again, everybody follow them. Go watch a game, support the team. Um, you know, it's a it's a piece of Kentucky history, and Coach Gillespie, I know, especially trying to build this program from a, a D two to a D one school, would greatly appreciate it. So, thank you very much again, Coach Gillespie. And then, how cool was it that I think right right at the beginning of the interview, he talked about uh, that he had uh, done done some research on us. I think he said <sighs> when when you were talking about wanting to go to Tarleton State, and so y'all gonna have to get your grades up or something. Yeah. What kind of research do you think Billy Gillespie did on it? What do you think he found? I'd rather not talk about it and move on to the next segment, Tyler. What else do you have from the interview? Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, so, obviously, I think the big tidbit of news that came from that was when we asked him, would you be willing to come back to Rupp Arena to play? Holy cow. That was the, that was the money question right there. I honestly 
didn't have any earthly idea what to expect with that question. I was a little nervous when you asked it. I almost wanted to hide under the table because I was <laughs> afraid he might just completely go off on us for even asking that question. And then we just got the total opposite uh, answer. He said he would love to come back to play at Rupp Arena against Kentucky. Uh, he even suggested that Rick Patino's Iona team, Tubby Smith's where does Tubby coach now? He so coaches. I know this. He coaches somewhere. Yeah, it was High Point at one point. Yeah. So yeah, T- Tubby's team—they're—they're they're supposed to be really good this year. He's got some good players coming in. <laughs> they for win his. some, they lose some. They, they're yeah. up, they're down. Um. So he, yeah, he proposed having a round robin tournament and just have those four teams play for three or four days. Holy cow! Let Let me tell you this: if that happens, for all the season ticket holders that have talked about more premier games in Rupp Arena, what a great way to satisfy that appetite. Now, is it North Carolina or is it Duke or something like that? No. But I think having three former UK coaches in Rupp Arena doing a round-robin tournament early in the season would sell out. You want to put butts in the seats? You do that. And, I, you, and you get you get capacity crowds. I thought it was funny that he said that people you know coming to the games would have to have cough syrup because they're going to be booing <laughs> the whole time. Who they boo more than others, you know, I'll leave that up to you all. It'd be interesting all. to see. It'd be interesting to see, but, I mean, if you're trying to give the season ticket holders bang for their buck and stop the complaints, that's a great way to do it. Absolutely. So if, if somebody in UK Athletics is not working on this right now, then <laughs> I, I think they should be ashamed of themselves because this would be the premier event for the home schedule at Kentucky Whenever it happens. Absolutely. I, I really hope they get that in the works. We'll see how it goes. I mean, you never know. They may have already had initial conversations, but, you know, we're not privy to those uh, conversations yet. So, uh, you know, we'll keep our eyes and ears peeled for that. And then another thing he mentioned, which kind of felt a little bit bad for him when he was talking about how after he left Texas Tech, before he got another coaching job, he's just kind of on his own playing golf every day, but talked about all of his friends were working, so he was out there by himself playing golf. Kind of, kind of felt a little bad for him when he was talking about that. Yeah, I felt bad that he was a multimillionaire playing golf by himself. I literally <laughs> cried myself to sleep um, after the interview. But no, to, to be honest, he is the personality which you know will make him a great coach. Is he wants to be teaching people the game? He wants to help them grow as young men. So I get it. He's very energetic. Very enthusiastic, and the thought of just you know playing golf by yourself, he's not teaching anybody, he's not coaching, he's not game planning anything, he's basically just taking a break on, on the golf cart. That is tricky. It's not a sad story for a lot of people. A lot of people would say, please sign me up right now. Yeah. Well, where's the sign-up sheet for the playing golf by myself <laughs> as a multimillionaire? Let me sign up for that now. But for Coach Gillespie, I think it's different because he is... You know, you can hear it in his voice how excited he is to teach young men the game of basketball. And it's more than just basketball, at least from the interview that I got. He really enjoys the whole process of seeing them develop and grow as young men. Absolutely. And then another thing I really enjoyed hearing him say, and again, he some things he brought up on his own during this interview. When he talked about hearing my old Kentucky home playing wow, yeah. at Keeneland or at the end of every basketball game, and how he would get a little emotional and teary-eyed hearing that. Now, us as Kentuckians, obviously, we have a very strong connection to that song. That means a lot to us. But for somebody from Texas who probably had never even been to Kentucky before, 
before he became the coach here, to, to hear him say that that song means a lot to him and that he kind of misses hearing that song. I, I think um, that was really cool to hear, his connection to that song. Yeah, and even when they played it at big events like the Kentucky Derby, you know, they play it, everybody's dead silent. You know, you got this massive crowd of celebrities that are coming in. There's people flying in from all over the world. They've been drinking all day, probably. Mint juleps all around. They're losing money on horse racing, which everyone does. At least that's what I tell myself to make myself feel better because I lose money too. <laughs> They've been doing that all day long. But when it comes down to that final race at the Kentucky Derby, when they play my old Kentucky home, everybody shuts the hell up and they listen to the song. It is... It's really touching no matter when you hear it. We hear it at the UK basketball games at the end. We hear it at, at these uh, the horse races as well. And it means a lot. I think even if you're not from Kentucky, it's, it's really weird. I don't know of another state's song that I could point out right now. What's Kansas's state song? What's Wyoming's Probably state's something about corn. Corn. Um, my old Kentucky corn. Or my, <laughs> my, old, my, old, my old Kansas corn. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But how many states have such an identifiable song that people all across the country would know? It's yeah. really, and so, I don't know. I'm glad that he feels the special connection that we do on that. Yeah, it really does mean a lot. I sing it to my daughter, uh, my one-year-old, often before when I'm putting her to sleep at night. We usually go through Jesus Loves Me, My Old Kentucky Home, and the fight song. So I know if I have taught her to love Jesus and Kentucky basketball, then I have done my job as a parent. So you teach your kid the fight song right before they go to bed. That's the last thing if I that Ellie that, hears before she goes to sleep. If I heard that right before I song. went to bed, I would be ready to run through the tunnel and, <laughs> and beat somebody's head in on the football field. And you're telling me that's the last thing. Yeah. Well, the last, I technically I say go cats at the end when I finish it. So go cats is the last thing she hears every night before. That's she goes acceptable. To sleep. That's acceptable. <laughs> that that's okay. I accept you for that. Yeah. Now one of the other interesting things I thought he said was when we asked him about just kind of what what's it like to be the head coach at Kentucky? Did he feel additional pressure? And he had a great line where he said, <laughs> yes. Coaching at Kentucky, there's nowhere better in the world when you have the players. And then he followed that up and said, when, but when you don't have the players, there's nowhere in the world that's tougher, <laughs> which I think is a pretty accurate description of his time at Kentucky right there in a nutshell. Uh, he did say he fit right in at Kentucky, that he loves the pressure. He's, he said at one point, I think, that uh, there's no pressure that can be more than the pressure he puts on himself, which I think we, we've certainly seen. He puts an extremely large amount of pressure on Absolutely. himself. So I thought that was very fascinating to, to see his perspective on you've, yeah. got, you've got to have the players to we, win here. To be fair, I mean, he had some really talented players here. You know, his first year, that team, uh, Ramel Bradley, Joe Crawford, Patrick Patterson, Patrick Patterson Jody Meeks before he got hurt, but. Derek Jasper. I mean, and then there were some injuries there, so we get, we do have to preface it with that. But there was some talent here. And even in his second year, uh, I know we went to the NIT that year, there was still some talent there um, on that team. You know, we had Jody Meeks just going off like crazy. You know, the 54-point the game and everything else. Patrick Patterson... So there were some players there uh, to be able to compete at a high level, but Kentucky fans are very critical, and you know when they when they smell blood, boy do they start circling. <laughs> it's like, it's like sharks in the water, 
You know what I mean? So it, it is tough. If you make one misstep, that turns into a second misstep. And before you know it, it could snowball on you. And then you've got a fan base that's, you know, not very happy. Absolutely. Um, one thing I was very impressed with, now I've got to ask you this, Brandon. When he started calling out the statistics from the Jody Meeks game, that he scored 54 points on 22 shots, was 10 for 15 from three, was 5 for 7 from two, 14 for 14 from the free throw. I mean, he spouted this out like it was uh, a kid at, at Bible camp spitting out a Bible <laughs> verse that they had to memorize. Yes. Do you think he had? Do you think he had his phone pulled out? Do you, do you is it possible that he truly remembers all these statistics from games that? How many years ago was the Jody Meeks game? Over a decade ago. Yes. You know what? I don't know. The first thing that we did was fact check. We did. We looked up every, <laughs> and he was spot on on every one of those statistics. It was scary. It was scary. But yeah. it also puts the Jody Meese game into perspective, too, because, uh, like you said, you can shoot the ball 35 times and probably get 50 points. Jody didn't do that. He was just a, he was a really good teammate during that game. He was just on fire. You could not stop what he was doing. Um, you know, it. I just thought it was interesting all the way around. And then, of course, him going into the fact that, you know, if he had one player that he had to pick out that he literally couldn't stop no matter who he threw at him, you know, the great Kevin Durant, which I get. Kevin Durant was an insanely talented player and still is. So, you know, I get that too, right? You know, um, it was just an interesting conversation around that, to say the least. Yeah, now, Brandon, I actually did some fact-checking to see after he talked about no player other than Kevin Durant that he couldn't stop as a coach. And I literally looked at every box score from every UK game while Gillespie was coach. I, I expect my overtime check from Lex Buzz and Pick and Roll will be in the mail for all this research that I put in. It'll be twice as much as you got the last time. Ah, oh, hot dog. Um, Brandon, I found four players in the Gillespie era that scored 30 or more points. I mean, to me, that that's kind of going off. If you if you throw a 30-piece on somebody, that's that's a pretty big game. Do you, do you remember, can you name, a little Kentucky trivia, can you name any of the four players who scored 30 or more points against Gillespie? Um, no, I cannot. And I'm assuming one of them is not Kevin Durant because we never played Kevin Durant. So that's, that's true. So that, that rules that one out. I have no idea. Now, there, there should be one game that you can guess that there was a player from one particular game that scored. Can you guess what that game is? Now you're gonna make you're gonna put me on the spot now. Can you give me a clue at least? Give me a clue. Okay, I'll give you a clue. In this game, UK led ninety six to ninety four and lost one eleven to one oh three. Which I think is probably the only time ever in the history of Kentucky basketball that we scored a hundred and three points and lost. You know, you talk about the rule of seventy one, a lot of people throw that out there. The rule of 103, <laughs> I feel like the statistics are pretty high that if you score 103 oh, points, you're going to win. Any, any any bells going off? Would that you, helps me none. You might have completely blocked this game out of your memory. No, what is it? This was the VMI game. VMI, that's right. In 2009. A yeah. uh, young man by the name of Travis Holmes put up 30 points for VMI. Uh, in Gillespie's first year against UAB, Robert Vaden... Had 33 points on 7 for 11 threes. One of the, probably the, maybe the worst conference loss in the Gillespie era was his last home game when we lost on senior night to, I do remember that. to Georgia when they, I think they were maybe last place. 
Terrence Woodbury put up 30 points. And then actually in Coach Gillespie's last game in the NIT against Notre Dame, the great Luke Herringody Luke. put up 30 Luke. points. Luke. Well, here's he what... was our father that game. <laughs> wow, that was good going back. <laughs> let, let me say this, though. I feel like... I feel like every team, especially the first half of the year, has a player that has a career high against us, even now, in the Calipari era. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play Gillespie defender here, I'm gonna say, you know what? I feel like every time a team comes into Rupp Arena, they have a career game. That's a very, very good point. I mean, so I'm not surprised by that, but I mean, people go off when they come into Rupp Arena. I'm still waiting for one of our players to go off in Rupp Arena. I feel like it's been twenty years or more. Uh, since we've had a player just go off in rough arena, but everybody that comes in shoots lights out. They can't miss. They make acrobatic shots. They don't miss anything, and they stay in the game. It's like a superhuman power, and I don't know where that comes from, but it happens a lot. It sure does. We've seen it time and time again. Um, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. But I will that's say, fair. That's I, fair. I do believe him that there is a difference between Luke Herringody and Kevin Durant. Yeah, I, I didn't check the box score from that game. So any listeners out there, if, if you can look that up for us, let us know how many points Durant scored against Gillespie. So, so now I'm taking that check back from your overtime pay since you didn't do the fact check on Kevin Durant. So you will not be receiving that gigantic bonus. That's disappointing. Uh, okay. <laughs> it is. But um, just really impressive overall interview, I think. Um Looking at when he talked about obviously the the kidney transplant and his relationship with Erica Downey, man, that just that that hits you, dude. Yeah, I mean it really tugs at your heartstrings, and you can hear it in his voice too. That's the this is I feel like it was very sincere, and one thing that he reiterated in the interview and also in his initial press conference with Tarleton State was he's got a second chance at life. Literally, I mean he you know he could have died. Let's be honest. But he's also getting a second start, uh, a second chance professionally. He's now back in Division One, in a state that he's very com- comfortable in recruiting in. And I don't know. After the interview was over with, I was, I was ready to go down there and just start to suit up for the Tarleton State team. <laughs> I was really excited for him. Very happy for him and what he's doing now. His positivity comes through in the interview, and you can hear it. We don't have to tell you about it. You can hear his excitement about the resources they have. The, the players that he's going to be coaching, and just his excitement to be alive, to be able to do all of it. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, and we obviously wish him nothing but success there. We're, we're going to be following Tarleton State basketball this year. We're actually fully planning on going to a game Absolutely. this year. And I, I really think and, and really hope that this is a great fit for Coach Gillespie. You know, he, he talked about you know going from Kentucky to Ranger College. Yeah. But he said to him, you know, basketball is basketball that either way you're still molding young men into grown men and you know trying to make a difference in their life. And I, I, I kind of feel he was being completely honest with that, that I don't think he cares whether he's coaching at Kentucky, whether he's coaching at Texas A&M, whether he's at a junior college, whether he's at a high school. I think he would be just as happy coaching a middle school junior <laughs> varsity team. I don't think it makes a bit of difference to him. I think this is just a man whose passion is basketball and helping young people grow. And I, I, for one, am excited to see what he can do there. He's He claims his goal is to win a national championship, Brandon. We'll, we'll see 
how close he comes to that, but we're very excited for him, happy for him, and can't wait to get down to Tarleton State for a game this year. Yeah, and I would encourage all UK fans, you know, it's always good to support former UK coaches, right? I remember, you know, this was when I was a lot younger, but I had older brothers that told me about Coach Hall's days, right? Like the, the last couple of years of the Coach Hall days, he had a lot of negativity surrounding the program. But you know what? We come back to support him, and we embrace him fully now. Why can't we do the same thing for Coach Gillespie? He's a part of Kentucky history. Did he win every game he played? No, but I do believe that he put the effort uh, into it. He's very passionate about the game, and I think right now is a good time for UK fans, the, the entire fan base, to embrace Coach Gillespie. If you're in Texas or in the area, go watch a Tarleton State game. Tune into those games if they're on TV. I don't know where they're on TV, but support the team and support a former coach. That's what we do as a UK fan base, and Coach Gillespie should be no different, and I really hope that he does come back to Rupp Arena in some capacity, especially for that round-robin tournament. Uh, I just think it would be great for everybody, and I think we all need it, to be honest. Absolutely. And if you get to go to a game, bring him some Kentucky Fried Chicken. He sounded very enthusiastic about the KFC, (laughs) if somebody would care to bring that to him. Absolutely. And we want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast. Uh, Again, we hope you subscribe on a weekly basis. This comes out uh, once a week. We're going to try to. We're two dads that have small kids, so we're going to do our best to do once a week. But stuff happens, right, Tyler? I mean... We're gonna do our best. It does. If if we miss a week, you you know, we've probably got a sick kid who's throwing up and we're cleaning up puke out of their bed or something. It yeah. Is, yeah. Way to bring the show down, Tyler, as we wrap up. <laughs> so anyway, go to LexBuds.com, check out the Andy Mania article, check out our protest video, which is uh, getting a lot of good comments on YouTube as well. Your Andy Mania article is just doing phenomenal. We've got Thank some you, great sir. feedback on that. LexBuds.com, LexBuds and Pick and Roll, wherever you listen to podcasts. Download, subscribe, give us a five-star review, and we look forward to seeing you on the next podcast, Tyler. Uh, Hopefully it's as good as this one. I think we had a great show. Yeah, see you guys next time. Yep, see you guys.